Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of WM32 Football. Uh, we are here today to talk everything regarding coaches going on right now in the Premier League with Frank Lampard. I'm here joined today uh, by Wes. Wes, how are you doing today? Yeah, all good, Nelson. All good. Looking forward to this one. Amazing. So before we get started, just a quick reminder, please follow us uh, on Spotify if you listen via there. Also, uh, like and subscribe on our YouTube channel as well at WM32Football. So to get started, we are here to talk about Frank Lampard. Uh, Frank Lampard and his managerial situation right now currently at Chelsea. Chelsea currently sit ninth in the Premier League table. Uh, they started the season very brightly, uh, one defeat in 11 games, and they've now lost in their last, uh, in the last six games, they've lost four games. So we are here to talk about what's going on at Chelsea. Uh, is Frank Lampard the problem? Are the players the problem? Uh, as Wes is a coach himself, we are here to get his insights as well and what he thinks is currently going on with Frank. So Wes, uh, to begin with, um, what's been your current uh, assessment of uh, Frank Lampard so far this season at Chelsea? Um, this season has been, as we all know, a completely different season compared to normal. But I think if I if I look at Frank's time as a whole um, at, at Chelsea, obviously we're sort of 18 months in to his project, if you like, at, at Chelsea. Um, I think everybody sort of forgave him in that first year because of the the transfer embargo um, and, and whatnot. Um, but I think Frank Lampard's probably the only Chelsea manager, certainly in the Abramovich era, that went into a squad of players where the best player wasn't there um, and the best player had been sold and he couldn't really do anything about it to you know try and find a similar player, a replacement, whatever you want to call it. Um, so I think that's sort of why everybody forgave or gave Frank that year's grace, um, if you like. Um, but having said that, I look at the, I looked at the Chelsea squad last year and despite the fact that they'd sold Hazard, it still wasn't exactly the worst squad in the league to go into. Um, you know, some still some top players in there, um, players that had won trophies you know Premier Leagues World Cups European Championships all of those kind of things um, I think maybe the age factor may have been something um, that Frank would have would have looked at he had players such as Willian and Pedro mid early to mid 30s um, and whatnot but I think you know moving into you know sort of the summer um Frank's had a similar problem, I'd say, to what Arteta has at Arsenal in the sense that he's got a group of players there that he knows he doesn't really want and he knows that aren't good enough for where he wants to take the club. But he can't shift them. He just can't. He simply can't shift them. Um, obviously, we know that he's brought players like Reese James into the fold at Chelsea, even though he was fantastic in the championship at Wigan. Um, but, you know, it's one thing playing in the championship and one thing playing for, for Chelsea and, you know, your, the expectation of playing for a club like Chelsea and that expectation is to win at all costs kind of thing. Um, you know, Mason Mount, who we had at Derby, brought him into the side. Um, Tamori had in the side last year, hasn't featured too much this season. Uh, Tammy Abraham, who was on loan at, at Aston Villa again, brought him into the fold at, at Chelsea. But, you know, if I look at the squad again you know you've obviously he's brought in Edward Mendy who um, you know I think uh, me certainly I'm not convinced by at all um, but um, you know he can't get rid of Kepa reports he's on about 170 grand a week um, so um, yeah I think that's that's a ma major issue there you know you've got players such as Marcus Alonso, Emerson, Drinkwater, Batshuayi you know, players like that who are on big, big money at Chelsea and they just can't can't shift them for, you know, for one reason or another. Um, you know, I know a couple of them are, have been out on loan and stuff like that. Obviously, you've got like Loftus-Cheek and Barkley out on loan at the minute. Um, but yeah, I think, I think this sort of spell, maybe it happened last season, but because of the whole transfer embargo thing, 
again, um, people sort of said, well, you know, Frank's got that transfer embargo, you know, he's not had, not had the money to spend and all of that kind of thing. I think if I look at Frank's recruitment, um, I think half of it would have probably been done last year um, had he not had the transfer embargo. So obviously that's been lifted and all of a sudden it's like, right, let's, it's almost as if it, it appears to on the face of it to most people that it's like, right, let's just go and sign some players. But I think actually there was probably a plan and a strategy there. Um, and like I said, I think maybe half of it would have probably been done last year um, had had Frank been given the tools. So he, obviously he's going through a sticky spell at the moment. Um, but I think a lot of a lot of managers and a lot of clubs have and will go through sticky periods. Um, Arteta was in a sticky moment not so long ago and now all of a sudden, you know, a few wins over the Christmas period and Arsenal seem to be climbing the table again, um, even though they're still in the bottom half. Um, but, you know, you've got um, Ole, who's been inconsistent at times at United and he's well, he's a lot further ahead in his his project at Manchester United. Um, so, yeah, inconsistency is going to happen. Um, I just think it's being highlighted a bit more because of the the level of investment that that Chelsea have had um, have had this this season. Um, obviously, spending two hundred and twenty million there or thereabouts, um, and I think everybody's expecting things to click uh, straight away. But it, it, in in sport, it, it, it's just not like that. You know, you are going to get some ups and some downs along the way, and it just feels like. Perhaps they're just in a bit of a sticky moment. Um, you know, they, they had it to a certain degree in some cases at the start of the season. Um, you know, the new signings weren't necessarily fit um, and had a few injuries. And then they came, almost came back in, a bit of freshness. You know, Chelsea went on a long unbeaten run and it's just halted a little bit. But I wouldn't be too concerned at this stage if I was, if I was a Chelsea fan. Um, and, and whatnot, because like I say, it's bound to happen. You know, every club goes through a bit of a, a bit of a bad patch and a bit of a bad spell. You know, even this season, I know United are sitting second at the moment, but you know, the the start of December, Ollie's job was on the line again. You know, and now look at them a month or so later, they are, like I say, second. So yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't be too too worried or too concerned at this stage if I was a Chelsea fan, because like I say, it's it's something that was bound to happen. It's just a case of when it was going to happen, really. Right. And you mentioned at one point that when Frank came in, he obviously didn't have the squad that he wanted. Um, but obviously after the transfer embargo, he spent, I don't know how much, you know, the club spent, the level of investment that Bramovich gives to Chelsea, they spent on the likes of Kai Havertz, uh, Timo Werner, you said Edouard Mendy at one point. Um, you could argue those are the players that he probably did want to bring. Um, do you think Chelsea's form right now is? Uh, do you think it's partly to, who do you think is to blame for that kind of? Do you think it's down to the players or the manager? Because everyone, I'm all like you said, mo every club goes through their kind of sticky situations, but um, it's quite easy for the manager to take the blame. But in this kind of current form that Chelsea are going in right now, do you think Frank is 100% responsible? Or do you think the players also need to be held? accountable um i think it's quite interesting um you know i listened to a couple of segments of um jamie carragher last night on monday night football um and he mentioned about frank and experience to perhaps fall back on um i think for for certain people of a certain age we want to see the players that we've grown up with obviously a lot of them getting older now majority of them retired we want to see them perhaps taking on managerial roles, coaching roles or roles where we can, you know, see, aspire to get to, you know, because these guys were our heroes growing up. So we want to, again, have them as a reference point for us um, in our working lives to, to try and, you know, aspire to get to, to where they are. I think, like I say, it's, it's, you know, there could be a number of reasons why um, Chelsea are just in a bit of a sticky, sticky patch at the moment. You know, is it the level of games that are coming up thick and fast, the lack of a, a real sort of pre-season? Um, yeah. I think that was probably the case in the first instance, the lack of the pre-season where, you know, Frank's brought in a good handful of players. You know, you want a pre-season to work with them 
and and get them up to speed with how you want to work and how you work and you know how you want to play tactical implementations and things like that patterns of play all of those kind of things um but yeah i think you know obviously when you're when you're on the pitch you know frank can't influence it too much um you know he's not out there on the pitch um although looking at him sometimes he does look like he could still do a job um so i think yeah the level of games coming up or that have come in this short short period of time you know it's relentless and when you have uh you know little bit little niggly injuries to certain players in in key positions obviously that doesn't help you know you're not able to rotate perhaps as you would normally with a fully fit squad i know most teams have injuries and things like that but you know you can't you can't legislate for a key player being being out for you know a, uh, even if it's a few weeks you know you can't legislate for that really as a as a coach and as a manager so you have to adapt um but yeah it's it i mean i was watching i was watching them against against city um and city all right it took them about 10 minutes to sort of find their rhythm obviously they had a bit of a break due to not playing against everton covid reasons and everything like that but you know once once city had had sort of found their way into the game it was just like you know they just stepped it up and we know city have that capability of doing that um but i think you know if i look at chelsea in the big games really this season have they i wouldn't say be a joy to watch because ultimately they're there to win and get results i don't think styles really matter but have chelsea really really gone for it in any of the of the games you know Tottenham were there for the taking and it pains me to say it being a Tottenham fan but we were there for the taking if if they had a player in midfield that really gripped the game by the scruff of the neck or in an attacking sense you know like Hazard used to um, in his Chelsea days you know we could have Tottenham could have lost that game um, you know against against Arsenal Arsenal were on a horrific run again there for the taking they end up losing um, you know, they go away to United, I think they pick up a point away at Old Trafford, but, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, again, United in that particular moment when they played against them um, weren't exactly at their greatest. Um, so I just think Chelsea haven't really taken opportunities this this season in the big games to perhaps stamp their authority on games and look to get look to get wins um so i think that's perhaps been their achilles heel is they haven't been on that front foot they've almost been a bit cautious in their approach and it's almost like they've gone okay if we don't lose it's a positive not saying that we have to go out and win but if we don't lose then we're then we're happy with that um so but i think you know chelsea have got the players to turn it on in that in that final third i think we've seen it at times against teams lower down in the Premier League table. Um, but yeah, I think against the top sides this year, they've not stamped authority on games and they've not looked like a side, investment aside, they've not looked like a team full of international players. That, you know, but they're not, okay, you can say international players and play for, you know, a country that aren't exactly the greatest, like San Marino, for example, you know, he's still an international player or Gibraltar or something like that. But these are top international players at the end of the day. Um, and okay. There's a lot of young players within that Chelsea setup, but there's some experience in there as well. And you almost want that experience. These are those experienced players to come to the fore and, and almost, I wouldn't say guide the younger players through, but almost stamp their personalities on, on the game um, and, and stuff like that. So, yeah, I think it's, it's, I wouldn't say it's the players. I wouldn't say it's Frank. Could it be a combination of both maybe potentially? Um, but yeah, I just think, you know, I think scheduling is probably, yeah. you know, I think if I look at, if I look at the amount of games that Chelsea have played this season, obviously they've had, I know they got knocked out of the Carabao Cup early, Um earlier than what they would have liked, but they've still had Champions League games to contend, uh, Premier League games and things like that and um, and stuff. So, yeah, 
it's it's obviously a an abnormal season. Um, I think everybody can accept that. Um, but I think everybody was expecting a bit more from Chelsea, given the level of investment. But at the end of the day, these players are still human. They can't, you know, it's very, very hard to perform consistently at the same level in every single game. Um, so, yeah, I don't, I think it's probably a combination of a lot of different things as to perhaps why Chelsea are in this situation now. Um, yeah. and, I, and I think it's probably been highlighted now because of the amount of games. Um, you know, had if we had a normal season, for example, and Chelsea struggled at the start of the season, um, and then all of a sudden come strong into this part of the season and then finish um, how they, you know, where they would perceive to want to finish, you know, we'd, we'd bypass the, the awful start that they may have had. Um, but I think it's because it's in this festive period where there's a lot of games, um, and, you know, we've seen it with, with some clubs, you know a couple of wins and you you bang up there or a couple of defeats and you're sliding down the table. The league's so tight this year. Um, it's making for great viewing, but at the same time, it's hard. I think the league's been hard this year to gain any form of momentum and consistency. Um, that was a great insight, by the way. Um, in terms of Frank as a coach, being as yourself being a coach, yeah. um, have you noticed any strengths in Frank's coaching style? And if so, could you name any of them? And do you think that it's something that he, he could sustain for the rest of his, you know, managerial career? Um, great question, actually. One that one that I'm, I'm sort of on the spot here. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I think Frank, I think there's a, I go back to the, the generation of players that we, that we sort of grew up with. Yeah. They have respect from every type of player because of the players that they were. Um, so, and I think Gerard's got it at the moment um, yeah. with, with where he is at, at Rangers at the moment. And it's that if these people call you and they want you to play for them, you almost go, yes, straight away. You, you, it's almost one of those things you don't have to think because it's like, right, well, I'm getting coached by Frank, Gerard you know, people like that. Um, so I think he's got the respect of every single player there, which, you know, like, as I say, naturally would do as a player for what he did in the game, obviously being Chelsea's record goal scorer as well um, and, and, and things like that. I like, I do like the fact that sometimes he's willing to call players out or call his team out um, for not perhaps performing how he would like. Yeah. Um, because to me, that then gives players responsibility. Um, it gives them ownership. Um, and, you know, I've, I've been on a few sort of different coaching courses and even talent ID courses and, and conversation about player ownership um, within sessions a lot comes, comes up, but we never speak about player ownership in games. I think Frank tries to do that in games from what I can see, obviously an outsider looking in and a real outsider because I'm not a Chelsea fan. Um, so I like that. Whether he can sustain that, I don't know. And I probably wouldn't think that he would be able to sustain it because as a player, if you if you hear that your manager's calling you out, you're either going to go one or two ways. You're either going to sink or swim, basically. You're either going to yeah. go, nah, don't fancy this. Or you're going to go, right, I'm going to prove him wrong. I think there's only a certain amount of times Frank can really do that um, because, like I say, the players will be become immune to it. Oh, he's, he's doing it again. He's doing it. He's calling us out again. What's he playing like? Um, and I think because of player power now, it's, it's, you know, so more influential than what it was when Frank was coming through the system. Um, in terms of his, his playing styles, um, you know, he's, he, he likes Chelsea to, to be that possession-based team. I think he's adapted a bit more on what Sarri had because Sarri had that this possession-based style sort of thing. But I think he's almost given a bit more fluidity to, to the way Chelsea play, a lot more rotation, it seems, in midfield. I think Frank's probably biggest problem at Chelsea at the minute in certain areas is he's got, he's got too many options. I yeah. think, and I don't know 
really. There's, I guess there's a few players that when fit, you would go, yeah, they'd start, they would start, they would start. But I think there's quite a few different positions where where you're unsure on who's going to play. Like right back could be Azpilicueta or Reese James. I mean, two fantastic options to have. But, and I guess, you know, squad rotation again is, is important. Um, it appears that Reese James has, has gone ahead of Azpilicueta in the uh, in the pecking order there. Um, if I look at his midfield three, okay, you'd probably say Kante is is a nailed on one to play. Mason Mount probably nailed on to play, and then it's one of Kovacic or Jorginho. Again, you're not a hundred percent sure. Um, he's got good options at, towards the top end of the pitch. Werner, we know it hasn't worked out for him yet, but still a for me a, a good striker. Um, you know, I think he's got fantastic movement. Saw him saw him at Leipzig, and his movement was just just different class. Um, I don't know if that was because he was allowed to drift a little bit more because they played with the two up there. I think that Havertz is, I wouldn't say an issue or a problem, but I don't think Frank knows where to play him. Um, you know, at Leverkusen, he was devastating as a number 10 um, and as an attacking midfield player. But you've seen a lot of the time Havertz playing out on the right-hand side, for me, doesn't suit him. Um, I think he's got to be got to be a number ten, um, and I think a lot. I think if Chelsea were to play through him a little bit more when he does play in that number ten position, I think you'll you'll see a complete difference um, in in the way that they play. Um, but yeah, I think I think it's more down to sometimes personnel. You know, we've seen a lot of the time Timo Werner stuck out on the left. Yeah. Again, doesn't particularly look a hundred percent comfortable there. Um, you know, he's got he's got three fantastic, including Werner in that, who I still think is a good forward. But he's got Tammy Abraham, who's been who Frank likes a lot um, and has pinned his hat on a lot of the time. But you know, I mentioned him last week. Olivier Giroud is still still doing the job for Chelsea at his at his age. Um, you know, fantastic again to have to have that type of player as an option. Um, but I think Gary Neville almost summed it up um, in the City game where Frank has got a, a set of players that he bought and a set of players that he likes, um, and he's trying to mould them into into his his team, which is you know fair enough. But you know, as I mentioned earlier, there's a lot of squad players at Chelsea that are, you know. Decent options for many clubs, um, but we have to remember this is this is sort of Chelsea and and where they're wanting to go, and where they perceive themselves to be. Um, you know, competing on all fronts, challenging on, and you know, getting into semi-finals and finals and winning. Um, and I don't think they have many of those players that can that can take Chelsea there with this with their depth of squad. I think their first 11 could do it um, because they've got really, really good options and really good players. Um, but I, I think their squad depth isn't quite there yet. Um, and and I think that's... Look, would Frank have wanted to sign perhaps the level or the amount of players that came through the door at Chelsea this summer? Probably not. Probably not. Um, but you take two two transfer windows out and you know, as I mentioned earlier, it's 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 all come at once. There would have been planning in place for it. I know sometimes players become available, um, and you, when a player sometimes does become available, you you take the chance of, of signing them um, because you don't know if they're going to come around again or another club might take them before you. Um, but yeah, I think that I wouldn't say that's hindered Frank. Um, but I think he would have liked to have done his rebuild, if you like, of the Chelsea squad over two or three transfer windows instead of perhaps trying to do it in in one in terms of bringing players in. I think now for Chelsea in the next two windows, it's important that they get players out the door. Um, you know, I mentioned, you know, can't really seem to shift back. Why rumours he's on over 160 grand a week. Um Danny Drinkwater's on big money, can't shift yeah. him. Alonso, Emerson, can't seem to shift those. I think a decision's got to be made on Rudiger. 
Um, obviously, rumours that he wanted to leave uh, in the summer didn't happen. So I think a decision's got to be made on him. Tomori's out of favour, it appears, at the moment. Yeah. Obviously, hasn't featured too much. Shame could be said about Christiansen. Um, so, yeah, I think there's a there's a clutch of, of Chelsea's squad players that perhaps need to need to be moved on. Um, and then I think we'll see perhaps the difference um, with with Frank's Chelsea, if he obviously gets afforded the, the time, because we know that, that Chelsea are very, very ruthless, um, almost as ruthless as Watford, um, I would say, in terms of, in terms of giving managers time, it doesn't, it doesn't seem to, to work out. But yeah, I think in terms of coaching styles, going back to your question, it's, I like the fact that he gives players ownership and ownership of their performances, but I don't know how long he can sustain that for. Um, yeah. Again, I look back to the City game, could probably have changed it a little bit quicker and a bit sooner, um, you know, just to try and gain a bit more control in the game. Um, but having said that, I think Kante pulled up with a slight slight twinge um, did, yeah. in, in his hamstring. So obviously that did that wouldn't have helped. Um, so, but yeah, I think, I think there's there's some good things from Frank. Obviously, he's, he's uh, must be talented enough to get his get his badges and and whatnot. And you know, he must be talented enough because Derby took a chance on him. Really, yes, yeah. Um, and I know they kind of built their team around quite a few lone players. Um, so, and actually spent quite a bit when he was there, considering the you know the championship level um but he's gone in at Chelsea I think he's done a decent job I think he's done a decent job is his criticism of him at this stage unfair maybe slightly obviously Frank's gone into uh one of the biggest clubs in the country um you know an established top four top six club after a year of well to call it work experience is a bit a bit much but a year's a year's worth of experience in terms of management so I think you've got to give give him some credit for taking that job now or when he took it like 18 months ago um could have easily just gone do you know what it's not for me at this moment but I don't know if the emotional attachment got to got to Frank um but yeah I think there's a lot of things to to admire about Frank um as a as a coach, looks like he sets standards for players. I think the fines list is pretty pretty brutal as well. Um, <laughs> but I think having said that, obviously that's something. Then it's like right, okay, you're here to to work, and you're here to work hard at your craft. Um, you know, every manager that's had Frank Lampard as a player has said that he was the one setting standards. He's the one that was doing the extras. Um, after training and, and things like that. So I guess he's trying to instill some of what he was, some of his traits and personality characteristics as a player into, into, you know, his coaching, which I think, you know, was, would be fantastic. I just, it's just a bit difficult for him at the minute. Um, and like I say, hard to gain any consistency. Um, but I think, it'll, I think he and, and Chelsea will come through it. Um, it's just a case of, you know, when they will when they will come for it. And, you know, I think they will. And I think they'll still finish the season fairly strong. Right. You just you just mentioned that because I, I was going to follow on and ask you uh, um, in terms of, because I assume from everything that you've, you know, summarised about Chelsea's situation and Frank's managerial style, that you assume that he will probably stay um, as Chelsea manager. As you mentioned, Chelsea can be ruthless you know, in terms of sacking managers. Um, so what do you think is a good season for Frank and his Chelsea squad? Because last season, you know, the squad that he had and had to work with, with the transfer embargo, he got them a top four finish. And obviously, yeah. unfortunately for them, they were runners up uh, in the FA Cup final. But um, what do you think this season is, an impro- uh, is a good season for Frank? It's interesting because obviously last season, um lost two finals um did did frank lost the final the previous season with derby i think it was there was a crazy stat going around he lost three finals in a year frank wow. 
Um, so I think that kind of went unnoticed a little bit, um, maybe because it's Frank and he seems to be a bit of a media darling at the moment. Um, obviously, the, the question marks have, have only come in the last sort of few, well, since the City game, really, where, where it's been stoked up a little bit. Um, a good season for Chelsea. Um, probably, they have, I'd say they'd have to win a trophy. Um, as much as it pains me to say it, um, I think they'd have to win a trophy. Um, obviously, FA Cup is probably realistic for them. Um, obviously, that's draw dependent, but I think they've got the the capabilities to to do something um, and potentially again, like I say, win the FA Cup um, and you know get in the top four. Look at perhaps quarterfinals, maybe of the of the Champions League. Um, do I see? Chelsea perhaps going any further than that I mean who knows I mean I didn't I didn't foresee Tottenham getting to a Champions League final in the way that in the way that they did um, and especially with the draws that that Tottenham got along the way um, so yeah I think obviously in, in football and in sport anything is anything is possible but I think for a good season for Chelsea I think FA Cup um, I think Frank would obviously Frank's won a lot as a player but I think if he was to win the FA Cup as a manager, I think I think it would stand him obviously it would stand him in really good stead because he's then got that experience of winning as a manager and getting that getting a team over the line to winning a trophy. Yeah. Um, which and then it, it may sound strange because he's only into his third year in management and it's we're talking about he has to win trophies already. Um, I think if this was potentially another club, another manager, you know, that pressure necessarily wouldn't be there. But I think Frank understands the pressure of being Chelsea manager. I think he gets it because of his time as a player. He spent, what, 11 years at Chelsea. So he, he's pretty much in the, one of the, fur, part of the furniture, one of, you know, he's embedded in the, in the club's DNA. Um, you know, he's a reference point for midfielders in the academy. Um, yeah. And, and stuff like that. Um so yeah, I, I, but listen, I don't. I think if Chelsea didn't win a trophy, from a fan's perspective, it would probably be disastrous. Um, you know, the the outlay that that was that was shedded out in the in the summer. Um, so, but I just think, you know, a little bit of perspective. Ray, Frank's eighteen months into into his reign as, as Chelsea manager. Um, obviously, getting to those those two finals that he did last year, um, you know, fantastic achievement. Um, you know, first year managing in the Premier League and you get your team to two finals. Unfortunately for him, they, you know, they lost them. Um, and you know, I did actually go into hiding um, in the FA Cup final because it was Chelsea and Arsenal. I didn't, I didn't really want any team to win. Um, so, but now I think. Yeah, I think they've got a they've got an opportunity potentially to win to win the FA Cup. Obviously, it's draw dependent. They've got a favourable yeah. tie. Uh, I think they've got Morecambe, um, so you know favourable tie there. Um, you know, but who knows who they'll get in the next round? I think Champions League to perhaps get quarterfinals. I think would be decent. Um, and then you just want you just want Frank really to get given a bit of time. Um, yeah. You know, it's still not completely his his Chelsea side he's, he's still building it in certain in certain areas um and, and and stuff like that so yeah just just a bit of time bit of patience um I think is needed um whether he'll be afforded that is the next question um and and as we've and as I've mentioned it's it's very much cutthroat at Chelsea like if you're not winning your your job's on the line I think you're only ever a game or two away really at Chelsea from there being a crisis. Frank would have known that going into the job, he would have known it because he's experienced the fact that managers have gone through sticky spells as a player at Chelsea. You know, Mourinho went through it through sticky patches at, at Chelsea. Um, Ancelotti um, did as well. You know, two managers that have won virtually everything there is to win yeah. Yeah. in the game. Yeah. They went through sticky periods. Um, and under Abramovich at the at the same time. Um, so yeah, I think 
just hope for a bit of patience really on from a Chelsea perspective, from Frank's perspective. I think that's what he'd want. Um, you know, he wants to be there for the long haul, the long term. Um, you know, Chelsea renownedly have got one of the best academies in the country, um, consistently winning FA Youth Cups. The question always there was, though, where's the pathway for these young players? I think Frank is giving them that pathway um, yeah. now. With you know, he's brought in James, Reese James, Mount, Tammy Abraham, Billy Gilmore, who's been brilliant every time I watch him. Um, there's the young lad Adrian, I think it is, uh, yeah. attacking midfielder. Yeah. He's been training with the first team. Um, so I think, you know, Frank is definitely one of those, like if you show something or if you show a bit of promise, you know, I will, I will reward you. Um, and I think, you know, from, from a Chelsea fan's perspective, I think it's something that they've wanted to see for a long time. Um, you know, I think they've been confused as to why, you know, we've got this academy that's, you know, one of the best in the country, consistently winning FA Youth Cups. And, you know, they, these players must be half decent. You know, why aren't they getting their why aren't they getting their chance you know why are we shipping them out on loan here there and everywhere um so but i think like i say frank is is a is a person that understands the club the dna the fabric wants to add his stamp onto it as well at the same time and i just think perhaps a little bit of patience um is is needed but you know as i say for chelsea probably fa cup because um, I don't think they're gonna they're gonna push they're gonna win the league. They could certainly look to challenge if they you know sort the sort the sticky patch out that they're going through at the moment. Um, they could yeah. certainly hit top four um, and yeah, quarterfinals and Champions League. I think I think that would probably be a decent season for for Chelsea. I hundred percent agree that patience is key. Um, I, I, rec I recently watched a, uh, a podcast. I don't know if you've heard of it. It's called High Performance Podcast, hosted yep. by yep. Jake Humphrey. There was an episode that Frank was on. And uh, going back to the question I mentioned about his managerial style, I think one of the strengths that I really appreciate about Frank was the fact that you mentioned, like you said, he makes sure the players take ownership, but also himself. I think he mentioned a couple examples where you know, his team selection for a match. And if they had ended up losing the match, he would actually go to the player that didn't end up playing and actually apologise for making that choice to sit that player out. So I think showing that kind of vulnerability as a coach to, to his players, I think is another thing that maybe earns, you know, the respect from his players, which is something that I really liked. I think he does deserve more time. Um, we'll have to wait and see, as you mentioned, Chelsea are ruthless. Um and one thing that I think you touched on brilliantly is the the pathway for the youth players. Like I think in my time at my time watching as a rival fan, I haven't seen a wonder kid, you know, come from the academy and actually play for Chelsea for you know a number of years. Um, so, like you mentioned, Reece James is probably one of the first to come out, and hopefully we'll see what happens with his uh, Chelsea career. Um, but like you said, like the fact that they've got so many young ballers at the academy it's kind of strange that they're not taking advantage of that but um we'll have to wait and see um i wanted to touch on something in general regarding coaches um frank is obviously a former player that has got a top job and now we're now seeing a trend of former players getting into big roles uh, yeah. you mentioned arteta as well and Oli gonna i just wanted to ask for your opinion why do you think there's that trend of former players uh, getting into these big roles with such little experience early on in their career? Um, it's quite interesting because I think we missed a generation of player that perhaps wanted to go into coaching or management or, or you know, things like that. Um, it's interesting that it's now more of players that we've grown up watching the generation that was missed is probably towards the the players that we started watching, but they were towards the back end of their careers. Yeah. Um, so I think that generation was missed. Um, but I don't know why. I don't. I think football goes in trends sometimes. I think sport goes in trends as well. Um, obviously, the the 
and we have a lot of buzzwords like philosophies and, and, and stuff like that. Obviously, that was a massive buzzword when, when Van Hal come over. Um, you know, systems become fashionable and trendy, um, you know, going to back three um, yeah. has all of a sudden become trendy and the dumb thing to do. Um, and especially when you're playing against a team that has a lot of the ball, you almost have to go with a back three or a back five. Um, whereas before that wasn't necessarily the case. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, it's, it's quite interesting. I think as, it depends on the, the person. Um, Cause I don't listen. There's not, I'm not saying that every player from, you know, ge a, a generation wants to be a coach, wants to be a manager, but um, I think it's just, I think it's brilliant actually that, that clubs are looking at former players especially in this country now, are looking at former players and going, how can we, as a football club, incorporate a former player into our football club? It happens so much on the continent. It, Holland is probably the prime example, and Ajax, yeah. the Ajax model is probably the prime example of it, where you have Mark Overmars, um, director. director, Van der Sar, yeah director of football Dennis Burkamp was on the coaching staff at one point um I think I've seen uh Reisinger Reisinger the the right back um has been on the coaching staff there uh Frank De Boer a former player had managed Ajax you had Ronald Koeman who managed Feyenoord I think again former player um but I just think it's it's something that the the individuals sort of want more I think there's probably if I look at Jamie Redknapp, that kind of generation, um, was sort of happy to not go into that limelight and almost take that step back and, um, you know, perhaps go into media or, you know, go into other business ventures, restaurants, hotels uh, yeah. and stuff like that. Agents. I know there's a lot of former former players now that are agents or ambassadors for um agencies um but yeah like i said i think it's it's great that you have people now if i look again frank at chelsea um arteta used to play for arsenal ole at united used to be there um ledley king at tottenham on the coaching staff um i know that's something that um a lot of tottenham fans sort of wanted um for a long long time i don't think ledley was necessarily overly keen on it but I think you know his impact has been has been fantastic at, at Tottenham I know Tottenham again have got Ryan Mason in there in the academy and a few other of their ex-players um in the academy um as as well um and like I said I don't know why it's becoming a trend um but I guess you know we've had Joey Barton at, at Fleetwood who's tried to cut his teeth a little bit lower down and try and build his yeah. work um and, and stuff like that obviously he recently left uh left Fleetwood um but uh, you know Clint Hill was was on his coaching staff again another recently retired footballer so yeah I think it's just, I just think it's refreshing to see that people sort of want to get into coaching or or management um yeah why is it happening a lot more now than before like I say I don't particularly know but I just think it's a perhaps a trend where um, you know, ex-players go in because they understand the club, they understand the dynamic of the club, they understand the fans because they've played there. They're hoping that that will, you know, turn the club's fortunes around is probably the best way I can put it. Um, obviously, it hasn't always worked out. If I look at Gattuso at AC Milan, I don't think that particularly worked out um, as, as people would have wished. Um, so... And even Clarence Sador, um, as well. He had a stint at, at AC Milan, um, and again, yeah. that didn't that didn't work out. So it doesn't work for every club, and it doesn't work for everybody. Um, but I think there's been a, a massive trend in this country of let's get let's get you know an ex player in. You know, he understands the club, he gets it. Da, 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 da. Yeah, but okay, from a fan's perspective, you love to see your your former heroes if you like come home um you know i'm sure there's many of arsenal fans that would love to see homri in the dugout one day um 
you know, Tottenham fans would love to see Ledley in the dugout or Robbie Keane, who I know has done his coaching badges in the in the dugout, but sometimes you sort of have to go for the best man for the job. Um, so, but yeah, I think the the uh, every club's obviously dynamic and situations different. I think you know United's one with Ole completely out the blue. Yeah. Uh, nobody really anticipated that. I think it was more right. Well, we'll have him for a short period of time. I think United perhaps maybe we're looking at Pochettino trying to get him in um, and, and stuff. And obviously that didn't happen. Um, Arteta going in at Arsenal. All right. was probably 18 months too late because I think Arteta really wanted the job first time around before Emre got it. Didn't happen. And now he's going in um, and has got a lot on his hands at, at Arsenal, probably a lot more than people actually anticipate. Um, and, and stuff. So yeah, I think obviously Frank going in at Chelsea again, but you know, opportunities sometimes arise and you can't turn them down. As I mentioned earlier with, with Frank, you know, would he have liked the Chelsea job right when he took it? Maybe not. Did he feel that he would have probably needed a couple of years more experience before taking it again, potentially, but sometimes these opportunities come and you just can't turn them down. I mean, yeah. Same with, with players and, and, you know, a lot of fans talk about, you know, wages and things like that. But ultimately, if if you look at it in any walk of life, if somebody's going to offer you double your money to do the same job, you, you'd, you'd be stupid really not to turn it down. So, and again, the, the lure of, of the club, um, I think sometimes has a lot, to, a lot to do with it. You know, the lure of managing United, Arsenal, Chelsea, you know, all of those kind of clubs. I think the lure of it is is too big to again sort of turn down because you know you don't know when you when that time's going to come round again if you do say no or or whatnot. So it's almost like right if I take it now, you know yeah. there's a I think as well if if for example any of those you know United Arsenal Chelsea if any of those managers it doesn't work out for them they've got probably a lot more to fall back on. Um, than if they than Joey Barton, for example, he's just left Fleetwood. I know he's had two and a half years at Fleetwood, but for Joey Barton, where what level is his next job going to be at? Is it going to be League One? Is it going to be League Two? That kind of thing. Whereas if you're a manager at a top club like United, Arsenal, or Chelsea, and it doesn't work out well, you've got potentially the Premier League still. You've got the Championship if you wanted to go there. Um, and really fancy a bit of a challenge. Um, but again, I think Carragher made a, a really, really good point on, on Monday Night Football where he said that he actually took a job at Sky um, because he felt... And, and Carragher's done his coaching badges, believe it or not. Um, and he said that, you know, he wanted he wants to be Klopp. Like when he, when he watches Liverpool and Klopp's enthusiasm, like, I want to do that. But his point was that he doesn't want to do the building blocks, if you like, to get there. Like he doesn't want to potentially go down to, you know, a club like, for example, my local team, MK Dons, he doesn't want to go there, cut his teeth and then look to, you know, he wants, he wants the top job. Um, and I think players or those, those ex players have got such big names that they're commanding those types of jobs the bigger jobs, perhaps. I see. Because, um, for example, again, like Steven Gerrard, I know he's gone in at Rangers, different league, perhaps different dynamic, but would he would he have taken a job at Stevenage, bottom of league two, no money? Well, no, because I'm Steven Gerrard. Why, why do I need to do that? Would he take the job? Well, yeah, I'm Steven Gerrard. Of course, like the job at Rangers comes up. Yeah, I'll take that job because I'm Steven Gerrard. You know, I can... So, again, like I said, I think the names... I'm, that probably sounds a bit harsh, by the way, and I didn't mean that in a in a, in a harsh way. But um, you know, I think the name, some, and then obviously he's still got agents, so their agent might go, "Nah, Stevenage, bottom of League Two, what, no money, no, you're right. Rangers, all oh, right, okay, potential chance to be in Europe, potential chance to win the league. Obviously, that's coming. Looks like it's going to happen this year, um, and all of those kind of things. So, yeah, and I know Homri obviously went in at Monaco. Um, again, didn't work out uh, another sort of ex-player there, but it's like, well, I'm Thierry Henry. Why do I need to, 
why do I need to go lower down the, the football pyramid? Um, you know, I think Henri's first coaching job was at Belgium. No, Ryan Giggs' first coaching Assist- job. Yeah, assistant, yeah, assistant. Yeah. Right, I know Giggs, he had a bit of a interim spell at United, but, you know, with no real managerial experience apart from four games at United, he's landed the Wales job. Because it, it, I know some, I think nation, uh, national team ones are a bit, bit trickier because it's definitely, it's probably a case of, well, who's out there? I think, you know, perfect case of that at the minute it's Republic of Ireland they're struggling big time but is there anybody around that can sort of go in there and deal with what what you know the pool of players that they've got probably not so yeah I think sometimes reputations of players previously um, lead to them getting getting the jobs but ultimately it's the the clubs at the end of the day that making are making those decisions and um, you know as I said earlier I think it's brilliant and refreshing to see players that have grown, have grown up watching that are now in the dugouts because, you know, as I said, there's been a generation that we probably missed um, and, and, and stuff. And it, it gives, it gives young coaches, again, somebody, as I mentioned earlier, somebody to aspire to, you know, oh, I might want to be Steven Gerrard or I might want, I want to be the next like Frank Lampard as a coach or as a manager or, or something like that. So yeah, that's, that's just my take on it. It's interesting because, I think, like everything you said, completely warrant. I, I, I agree. However, I, I, there's a slight part of me that just feels as though, the like you know how we say that one name shouldn't be bigger than the club. It's yeah. all about the team. Yeah. Don't you think it's a huge risk to hire somebody like your Frank or your Mikel or your Oli that have little experience? Like, let's say for instance, now I put you in charge of Tottenham Hotspur. Okay, which I'm sure you would love. <laughs> any day of the week. Oh, the, the, only, the, only time, the only time I do that is on FIFA or Football Manager. This is brilliant. <laughs> but I give you the keys. You're in charge. You own the club. And you need a new manager to obviously guide the club forward. And obviously yeah. with the stature of club that Tottenham, Tottenham are and are becoming, yeah. you want to win a trophy. So yeah. you have a list of candidates and three out of the four candidates are managers that have big names but yeah. have little experience. Mm-hmm. For you, what what matters to you? Is it the name of that former player? Because it could be any player. It could be an ex-player at Tottenham. could be a former player in general, general. Or do you just go for the manager with the experience that could potentially, like a Mourinho is right now at Tottenham, and just choose him to guide you guys to, you know, success? I'll put you on the spot here. You know, yeah, I think I think keeps... every I think every club is different. So if I look at Chelsea situation, uh, when they when they appointed Frank, they had they had an opportunity to make a statement, and I believe they've certainly done that by appointing a young British manager. I believe it was a bit of a an anomaly as well. I had yeah, to yeah, put yeah. my teeth in there. Um, that was difficult <laughs> um, in the sense that it was a British manager and I don't think Abramovich has really appointed British managers um, no, no. before. But Chelsea's situation is, right, we've got no money. or We've got money. We've got a transfer embargo. So we can't bring any players in. We've got a fledgling academy with lots and lots of young players. Who did well? Who's done well with a group of young players. The the flavour of the month, almost, if you like, was Frank Lampard. Boom, there you go. Um, Ole at United. Okay, right. He's worked in their reserves as well, um, has, has Ole. Uh, an ageing team, massively ageing team, who was going to probably guide them through a rebuild that... You know, and I think the way that United was as a club at the time was very toxic. But bringing Ollie in straight away united every single one of the fans. And all of a sudden now the fans are singing Ollie's name and they're not calling for the board to go. They only call for the board to go in transfer windows and when United are losing. So when you had that bounce with Ollie. Everything was Ollie's at the wheel, you know. Rio, give, you know, give him the contract to give him what he yeah. wants, all of that jazz. 
soon as but then as soon as things didn't go to plan, it's Ole's a PE teacher, you know, the board have shafted him, you know, all of those kind of things. So yeah. but you know, I think as well, Ole Ole doesn't strike me as a person that would that would go to his board, I need this. So I need a centre half. United need a centre half. Now, is Ole going to put pressure on the board to go and sign a centre half? No, not it doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't strike me as that. No, we need. We desperately need a set. Go and get me a centre half in the same way that Mourinho did. So I think that probably played a part as well. In I wouldn't say Ole's a yes man, but he's certainly not one to ruffle feathers, and you know he's not one to to call players out or or whatnot. Um, you know, Arteta at Arsenal, right? Again, we need we need the team needs coaching. Um, we've developed a style of, or we had a style of football under Unai Emery that we didn't actually know what was going on. So, how do we bring somebody in that has an ideology, a philosophy of working and coaching players, and and can produce a playing style that would suit the players that we've got and who's around and who can we realistically get well Mikel Arteta you know he's had the history of coaching and developing players at at Man City I know he was the number two but he was still actively out on the on the training pitch and you know a lot of the City players spoke very highly of Arteta as a coach um you know he's had the history of playing a possession-based style under Guardiola which is what Emre tried to bring into Arsenal, but just didn't have the players to do it. Now, um, so it's very, very situational. Now, if I'm in charge at Tottenham, Tottenham's need is very different to Arsenal's need, to United's, to City's, to Chelsea's. So if I'm in charge at Tottenham, like as a Tottenham fan, we are desperate for a trophy. Desperate, right? Um. I don't think there's probably a club in the league that is as desperate to win a trophy as, as, as Tottenham. I think if the majority of other clubs in the Premier League from the big six, the, the traditional big six, if you like, down, a trophy is a bonus. Whereas at Tottenham, it's almost become an expectation now to win a trophy. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, my my thing would be, well, who's got who's got the most medals on this on their cv for me it's it's about at the minute it's about who's got the most medals on their cv and that's probably why daniel levy chose chose Mourinho. he's the person that you know majority of spurs fans think believe and feel will get us over the line and, and winning a trophy um in his in his time at, at tottenham um so I mean, from a Spurs perspective, again, it'll be interesting to see who follows Mourinho and what direction the club go in. Um, but yeah, I think for me, if if I'm in charge at Tottenham and I've got the keys to Tottenham, it's about, for us at the minute, it's who's going to get us over the line um, and win us a trophy and who's available. Um, yeah. You know, that's the, that's the thing. Um, if, if I look back, say six years now, at the time, I, you know, when Sherwood, in that spell, whatever that was, by the way, um, you know, it was it was like right, who can we get in that is going to build something, um, and who's going to bring a style of football, a philosophy, again, an ideology, and a and a playing style that is good to watch but you know we'll connect people at the football club Pochettino bang so it's very it's very subjective it's very situational Um, and no I was one of those that at the time I'm not just saying it now but at the time I did want Pochettino in at Tottenham at that time because the job he did at Southampton was was brilliant and you always thought well how could he do or what could he do with a slightly better set of players um, so it'll be interesting now to see what and how he gets and what he does and how he gets on at PSG because he's got world stars with massive yes. egos and 
Um, he had he had the players with the big egos at Tottenham, but got rid of them probably because they weren't good enough. But they had big egos to go with it. Um, whereas now he's got, I think he's got players with big egos, but they are world stars. So how is he gonna? How's so? It's again, it's an adaptation period for Pochettino. You know, his contract eighteen months, I think, at, at PSG. Um, so it'll be interesting to see again how he how he gets on there. Um, yeah. So yeah, but in answer to your question, I think you know every every club's situation is different um, when appointing a manager, and obviously when you do it, if it's, if it's start of the season, it's going to be completely different to mid season because mid season you're probably looking at somebody to get you out of the situation that you're in. Hence why West Brom have turned to Big Sam because they're in a relegation battle and they need somebody to try and get them out of it. Um, yeah. I know it hasn't started well for Big Sam, but his record suggests that it takes a bit of time for him to get it, to get things right. Um, but his record of, of never being relegated is, you know, stands for itself. So, yeah, I think there's... Obviously, there's a few different situations, but I think for Tottenham, if I was in charge, it's definitely the man with the most, the most medals on their CV is definitely getting the getting the job. Interesting, because I was hoping you would either just straight away like a yes or no go experience or name, but I like but here after hearing what you said, yeah, it makes sense that yeah, it's subjective, situational, depending on the club's needs and so on. So I totally agree with that answer. Um, well, we. I appreciate all of your insight for today, Wes. Um, it was, I definitely learned something today. I hope everybody else who listened to this podcast learned something. Before we go, I have something for you, and this is a quiz. So if you're listening, uh, feel free to p- play along at home as well. So this is how the quiz is going to go for today. I am going to name a club, okay? And you have to name the current manager of that club today. Uh, the trend within this quiz is that these clubs are managed by former professional footballers. Does that make sense? Yeah, here we go. Okay. Here we go. So let's see how I'm it ready. goes. Feel free to play along at home. Um, first uh, club. Okay, the first club that I'm going to ask you to name their manager, their current manager right now is Napoli in Syria. Gattuso. Gennaro Gattuso. If you at home also put Gennaro Gattuso, that is correct. Gennaro Gattuso is the current manager of Napoli Love it. Club. Um, next. Next, we have uh, Bayern Munich. Hansi Flick. Hans Flick. If you put that as well, Hans Flick is correct. Well done. That is another question. Correct, Hans Flick. Um, I'm going to go now with Montreal Impact. Ah, uh, here we go. Um, Thierry Henry. If anybody does not know who Montreal Impact are, they are a team in the MLS. And if you did put Thierry Henry, that is correct. Well done, Wes. That is another correct answer. Yes, Montreal Impact. Interesting for Henry. Monaco to Montreal. Um, yeah, um, obviously, he bought Victor Wanyama from, from Tottenham. Um, yeah. And Wanyama's come out in an interview recently and said that uh, him and Homri have a little bit of bit of banter regarding the uh, the two North <laughs> London sides. Um, you know, apparently uh, Homri's trying to convince him about Arsenal, and Wanyama said, "No, I'm I'm Tottenham, and I'll always be I'll always be Tottenham." So big up, big Vic, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, big up, big Vic. <laughs> we'll move along. Um, next club I have is Real Madrid. Should be an easy one. Yeah, Zizou, Zinedine Zidane. Zizou, Zinedine Zidane, yes, is the current manager of Real Madrid, another former player. Um, we will now go forth with Rangers. We've mentioned him today, if anybody forgot. Uh, Steven Gerrard, uh, Slippy G to all those Celtic fans out there. Um... <laughs> Stevie Gerrard is correct. He is the current manager of Rangers. Okay, let's uh, bring it up a notch a bit. I'm going to go with Lazio. In Syria, oh, it's um, Simone and Gazi. Is he correct, guys? Yes, he is. Yes, he oh. is. Uh, Simone and Zaghi, the older brother of Pippo and Zaghi, 
um, as you might know, a former AC Milan striker. He is the current manager at Lazio, and he's actually done a very good job there. Uh, brought them in the Champions League. I think they uh, finished second in the group behind Dortmund, uh, qualified for the knockout stages. So, um, yeah, Simone Zaghi is the current manager of Lazio. That is a good good guess for that one. Well done. Um, we're going to go with Atletico Madrid, rivals of Real Madrid. Oh, this is one. This is one person that, as a player, I would have probably hated to have played under. Um, <laughs> Diego Simeone because that that defensive oh I say defensive <laughs> nature but he's brutal um but saying that there have been some kind of little bits and pieces that I've taken um from the way Atletico play and, and tried to apply it to to teams that I've I've coached um so there is some method to his madness clearly um with the success that he's had at Atletico but yeah Diego Simeone Diego Simeone, that is correct. Yes, so Diego Simeone, um, current manager of Atletico Madrid. So, uh, we've got a couple more to go. Um, Juventus. Don, 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 Andrea Perlo. Don Perlo, Andrea, yes, he is the current manager. Had little, like, again, on the trend that we've been talking about today, uh, managed the under-23s, and then they instantly gave him the job. So, uh, he's doing well currently. I mean, they're not top but I think Juventus have gone a remarkable run of winning I think 10 straight Scudettos um, so we'll see what at the end of the season what uh, the Don can do but yes Andrea Perlo current manager of Juventus uh, we've got two more left so Porto damn damn <laughs> now I'm gonna have to pass this one I don't I don't know I don't know Porto if anybody put Sergio Consegal, that is the current manager of Porto today. He is a former player that played for the Porto side. So uh, that was a little one to get you, you, yeah. you, your brain juices thinking. Um, and last but not least, uh, a very famous club known for their rival with Boca Juniors. I'm going to go over River Plate. <laughs> Come on, Wes. Oh, you go, man. Get, get your brain thinking. Oh, I was hoping for like another MLS one because there's been a, a former player that has just taken over there um, yes. in, in Gabriel Heinzer. Um, but no, not got, not in, in, in the only way I could probably describe it, I've not got a Salomon Kalu uh, <laughs> on, on this one. Not a, no, no chance. Well, uh, for anybody who did not know, you've learned something new today. The current manager of River Plate is Marcelo Gallardo. He is the current manager of River Plate. He is a former player there. is regarded as one of the best to ever play at that club. Uh, also had a stint at Monaco between the years 99 and 2003. Won French Football of the Year as well during his time there. Knowledge. So that is Knowledge. <laughs> that is Marcel Gardo. Um, feel free to count your scores if you did well. Uh, congratulations to those who got all those correct. I know Wes will be coming back next time. Uh, to try and get all the answers correct. But thank you, Wes, for taking part. I hope no you enjoyed problem. the quiz. Um, thank you, everybody, for this uh, episode, for joining us on this episode today. Um, we'd like to thank you. We'd like to wish you a happy new year as well. Um, if you would like to follow us, please follow us on Spotify, where you can listen to us there, as well as follow us uh, on our YouTube page. Please like and subscribe. Uh, all that is left for me to say is thank you, Wes. Thank you for joining us. Not a problem and, at all. Uh, thank you. We hope to see you at the next episode of WM32. Bye-bye.